If you're a parent, teacher, or school leader, and you're sick and tired of the frustration, anger, and unfair treatment of children at high risk in our public schools, then perhaps it's time for all of us to do something about it. In this podcast, Dr. Amitra Berry brings you tips, tools, strategies, and tactics to build successful solutions while touching, moving, and inspiring all of us to transform our schools so that every child thrives. Here's your host, Dr. Berry. There's a West African proverb that says, until the lion tells the story, the hunter will always be the hero. Happy New Year. Welcome back, Equity Warriors. Thanks for tuning in. It's a new year for us to focus on change in equity and education. New Year, same old shit. I've been focusing on the politics of education since the fall. And honestly, the more I dive into it, the murkier it seems to become. Political ideology, power, and too often flawed decision-making continue to disproportionately damage the most marginalized learners in our K-12 public schools, not only here in America, but as I'm hearing from you and from other news sources around the globe. And unless you've been living under a rock or completely unplugged, and honestly, I did try really hard to completely unplug for a few weeks this past holiday season. It was wonderful. But in this world, unless you are literally living under a rock or on a deserted island with no means of communication, you're still going to hear what's going on. And you know that there is a major issue that is impacting free speech in schools, not just at the K-12 compulsory level, but in higher education as well. What is it? It's the war that's being waged against the people of Gaza and the persecution of students, educators, teachers, education leaders who choose to voice an opinion, really any opinion of that war. Now, keep in mind, I firmly believe in teaching history. You've heard me talk about that before. All history, the hard history, the ugly history that doesn't get taught because the white European majority that has controlled the rules, the curriculum, our schools since they were established here in the U.S., they don't want to feed anguish about what their ancestors did or what their allies are currently doing. So what's been happening as educators speak out in this or about this this current event. Well, there was a high school teacher in Queens, and she literally hid in a locked closet for hours from students who were protesting her exercise of free speech. What did she do? She posted a Facebook post of her at a pro-Israel rally, and she was holding a poster that said, I stand with Israel. That upset some students. There was a teacher, excuse me, a group of teachers in Oakland, California, Oakland Unified School District, and they conducted a teach-in on the lives of Palestinians in Gaza and the history of Gaza. Now, Edweek reports that that activity, that teach-in, drew some sharp opposition from the superintendent of Oakland Unified, who attempted to distance the school district from the teach-in, letter or email that went home to parents and caregivers in the community saying that it was not a sanctioned activity. So there was that. 
And then in Maryland, in Montgomery County Schools, there is a Muslim teacher of Egyptian origin who was placed on leave because she had a tagline in her email. You know, those things we put, uh, many people put their preferred pronouns. They may list some form of allyship, whatever it is. The tagline in her email expressed support for Palestinians. Now, because of who she is and what she believes in, she was subjected to vandalism. Someone tore a flag from her car. She had a Palestinian flag on her car, as many people across this country do. Flags that that promote our favorite team, you know, y'all know I'm an Astros fan. We do not have an Astros flag on the car, but we do have Astros license plate frames. But people have, I've seen flags for Puerto Rico, for Mexico, for the United States. You see a lot of U.S. flags on cars, but because hers supported Palestine, it was vandalized. Now, back when I was teaching high school, and you all know I love teaching U.S. history and American government, one of my favorite cases to teach about, favorite Supreme Court case to teach about, was Tinker v. Des Moines. Why? Well, because it had to do with kids. And what it gave my learners was an historical foundation about the rights of free speech of children in schools, something they could relate to, right? You know, our kids, when they get something going, they are good for standing up for what they believe in if they feel that it's safe to do so. So, a little bit of background for those of you who don't know about the Tinker case. It was 1965. Some students in Des Moines, Iowa, had planned to wear black armbands. So what was going on in 1965? Come on, think about it. Vietnam War, something that many students protested across this country, high school and college. So they were going to wear some black armbands just to show that they were protesting the war. Um, and for those of you who don't know so much about the history then, that was these students were going to be subjected to the draft. That means involuntary. I don't want to call it. Yeah, well, they were going to have to serve in the U.S. military whether they wanted it or not, wanted to or not. There was a draft. That was the last draft that we had. So they were protesting. Well, the principal found out about their little plan and told the students that if they did that, if they wore those black armbands to school, not those armbands, they would be suspended because it might cause a disruption in the learning environment, an armband. But kids being kids, what did they do? They wore those armbands anyhow, and they were suspended. But during their suspension, the parents sued the school for violating the children's right to free speech. Go parents. It made its way up to the Supreme Court, and ultimately, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the students. So what did the court say? The most important thing to remember from this case, this is what I taught my students, is that, here's the quote, the court ruled that neither students nor teachers, and here's the quote, shed their constitutional right to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate, end quote. What does that mean? It means just because you are a student in a public school, you do not lose your right to free speech. Just because you teach, neither students nor teachers, just because you teach in a public school, you do not lose your right to free speech. But just like you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, you can't use inflammatory speech that will disrupt the learning environment. Now, I think most of us can think about a black armband, eh, disrupt the learning environment. That's that's a bit of a stretch, especially in 2024. 
But what does constitute a disruption? Whose feelings, whose guilt, anguish, comfort, or discomfort gets considered? And keep in mind the difference between guilt and anguish. If it's guilt, it's because you did it. If it's anguish, you feel bad because it was done. So what's happening right now, this lack of tolerance and accepting the opinions of educators or students in our schools is just one result of not teaching hard history, of not developing critical thinking in our learners and some of our adults, of a a lack of cognitive humility. Sanitizing history, along with students and educators' rights to free speech, is no different from burning books. And you all know where I stand on the burning or banning of books. What makes it okay to be pro-one state and not pro another state? What makes it okay in this country to be pro-Israel, but not be pro-Palestinian? Because there is no state of Palestine anymore. That was taken away. Or vice versa. What makes it okay to be pro-Palestinian and not pro-Israel? What makes one okay, but not the other? And in so doing, and so deeming that it's okay to be one but not the other, what is it that we're saying, doing to the children? I've said this before, when we talk about equity, we have to be mindful not only of what we see, but what we don't see. The marginalization of the people of Palestine, Palestinian people, our students of Arab, and especially our students of Palestinian descent right now, the erasure and misrepresentation of the people, their history from our textbooks, our curriculum, our conversations about current events is just wrong. And it goes deeper than the current events. What does marginalization look like for this group of people, this erasure? We'll start with there's no MENA or Arab designation on the census. So we don't accurately count the people from this region as being from that region because we don't see them as people. Much like black folks weren't counted one for one. There's no AP Arab or Middle Eastern Studies courses. And AP European Studies won't address the displacement of the Palestinian people post-World War II. And if you don't know how or why that happened, that is the perfect example of what happens when we whitewash history in our classrooms, when we take it out of our curriculum. Now, California does have ethnic studies for high school. It will be mandatory. I believe it's in 2025, so next year for students have taken an ethnic studies course in order to graduate from high school, but it's ethnic studies. That's a pretty broad scope. And while yes, they have Chicano studies and yes, they have African-American studies, which will count towards that ethnic studies requirement. That's two groups of people. And yes, some of the most historically marginalized in this country since its inception. But what about Native American studies? Again, erasure, and whitewashing. Culturally irrelevant curriculum, this failure to incorporate or reflect the histories, the experiences, the cultures of students of color across the curriculum, and specifically today, talking about our Middle Eastern, North African students. If we want our children to learn, we, adults, have to be open to dialogue. We, adults, 
have to teach our children that a difference of opinion is normal. It's okay. But first, we adults have to develop that skill. It's a skill that has to be learned by our nation as a whole, by the adults, by our teachers, our school leaders, and most definitely our elected leaders from school boards to Congress. Our public schools do have a core responsibility to prepare every single child for civic engagement. And that means developing that skill to listen, to engage, to debate with guardrails. The very events that shape and are shaped by our religious, cultural, and political beliefs. History is ugly. War is destructive. I remember when I was a kid, there was a bumper sticker that said, war is harmful to children and other living things. That hasn't changed. But to not be open and to recognize and discuss why it is happening and who all is being harmed is simply to continue to whitewash, to erase, and to marginalize. The story is being written. Will it be the story? Or will it be his story? Or maybe our story? Will it be an interpretation, a marginalization, an indoctrination, or simply the unvarnished truth? Mark Twain wrote that the very ink with which history is written is merely fluid prejudice. But I wonder, does it have to be? If you're guilty of silencing or marginalizing, feel your guilt, then change your behavior. We should all, every single one of us, feel anguish. I do. We are living in a world where atrocities are being committed that are ugly, painful, but what will you do about it? Will you vote in your local elections this year for school board, for mayor, for city council? Will you sit on or ask to have started a superintendent's advisory committee in your district to discuss the decisions that are impacting the education of marginalized, marginalized learners in your district? Will you attend a school board meeting this year? Will you be an equity warrior or a silent sheep. Victor or victim, you choose. And then join me next week. Connect with me on social using the links down in the notes. Send your questions, topics, and requests to info at askdrberry.com. And I'll answer those questions and bring you experts to help address those topics. As 2024 begins, don't worry about the things you cannot change. Change the things you can no longer accept. And I'll see you next time. That's it for today's episode of the 3E Podcast. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value private VIP day with Dr. Barry herself. Be sure to head over to 3epodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Barry's gift. Then join us on the next episode.